20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm joined once again by Packers great, former offensive guard Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall68. Mike, before we even jump in, I just want to say a huge thank you. We have been doing this, I don't know how long now, but the comments every single week uh, on your episodes are amazing. I know Packer fans are super appreciative that you take the time to do this every week. Uh, I, I constantly get messages and comments about how much they learn from you uh, doing this. So I just wanted to take a second to say thank you. I appreciate it. I always learn something, and uh, it's just always great to have you on. So thank you so much. Andy, it's a, it's a, it's fun talking ball with you. I appreciate you having me on. It's a, it's a good time. So so there's recipro- reciprocating the thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, let's kick things off, actually, before we jump into kind of our main topics. Some good news on Thursday. Jair Alexander was back practicing in some capacity. This is why I don't make uh, big bets on things, Mike, because just yesterday on the episode, I said, based on how he was at practice and just kind of off with the bike and everything and not really seeming super ready to go. Like, I'm like, I don't think he's going to go this week. And then, of course, Thursday he practices, but that's clearly some huge news for Green Bay, specifically with potentially Keenan Allen and friends coming to town. I know Allen was on the injury report on Wednesday for the Chargers, but either way, if they do, in fact, get Jair back, would be huge news for Green Bay. Yeah, and then it'll be interesting how they use him. Listen, Jair Alexander or not, if you go man coverage against Keenan Allen, you're just asking for trouble. So is it – in? In, if he's perfectly healthy, is that a matchup you want to take? If, if I'm a Packer fan, I want to say yes, because there's just some certain things you have to do against Justin Herbert to be successful. And for us, it's going to probably involve bringing more people than they have. Um, but if you leave that guy one-on-one, or the same thing goes with Austin Eckler, like you, there's some real matchup problems. This reminds me of the old Chargers teams of like the 2000s that had incredible talent everywhere, and they were just they never could get over the hump. There's no reason this team should be bad, and especially on defense. Defensive head coach, they're like last in the league, and it, it's nuts. But having said all that, Jair Alexander's being back is great because he's one of the best players in your team. I still don't know what that means uh, as far as how to structure a passing defense against specifically Keenan Allen, but really all three of those guys plus Austin Eckler. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge key to this week and uh, like how they stop those. I have no idea. Can can there be a point, Mike, where the NFL just kind of figures out a specific system? And I know a lot of teams are running similar stuff and using some similar things that Staley and Fangio and Barry and the Rams and everyone else are using. But it does seem like that sort of system isn't having the same effect that it had in previous seasons to me it kind of feels like the nfl has figured it out a little bit is there can that happen or is it just happenstance okay yeah so i mean there's there's so there's two things that are happening in in my opinion one some play callers evolve and some don't or some people some people evolve their play calling or scheme to the individuals they have and some do not right so you go back to the three four defense with bill belichick like being able to grab up all of the defensive ends that nobody knew what to do with. And then just making use out of like Mike Rabel's of the world. I mean, just doing something that was a little bit different, unique, but getting really large, good athletes on the field and then trying to figure things out from a secondary standpoint. 
and having multiple coverages, multiple looks, be comfortable dropping nine at some points, right? So always evolving was kind of the theme of the day back then. Now you see a lot of these guys, and we're seeing it right now. Kyle Shanahan is is kind of the the father of this, I guess his dad is, but the father of this tree. But really, when you start thinking about who got hired and why, Sean McVay is the reason that most of these guys got hired, right? including probably the Green Bay's coach. Yep. And <clears throat> What you start to see is the like the the masters, like the best guys, know how to offensively or defensively, know how to tweak, utilize, tw- change, be fl- like Bruce Lee, like be water, be fluid, depending on who you have in your locker room. And then yep. some of these guys don't. So th- I think there's a part of it where it's like if you put me in front of a computer long enough, I can beat your system. But there's also another part of it, like some guys are are being successful despite running an old school system because their guys execute better because they know who they've got and what they need to be successful. I think that's where the chasm is right now is like the application of process, not necessarily process. We talked about in the past of how you can have a new head coach that was hired from their previous regime. And a lot of times it's based on successful offense or defense that has a generational player on it. Aaron Donald's generational player with the Rams when Brandon Staley was there. And all of a sudden he gets to the chargers and is trying to run a defense. And they have some really good players on that defense as well. But I think it's always a cautionary tale of, all right, was, was the defense that great or was Aaron Donald that amazing? And we'll see what it amounts to. And if Staley can kind of swing things around the season, but his tenure with the chargers has not gone great. And I'm with you. I think it's a much better team than what their record shows so far. So you look at the, you know, they're obviously the firing in Las Vegas, but now Frank Reich and between Frank, another subject, but oh my God, what with taking over the play calling again? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Frank, Frank, Frank Reich and then Stanley, the hottest seats in, in town right now. And you, and you look at it when you watch the tape of the Chargers and, you know, the thing that happens in LA, because they're not really Chargers fans. So guys are like, they're watching the last two games, they're playing like the Jets and the Bears that are terrible. They go, oh man, our, our defense is really coming around. And then they play the Lions, who's a good team. Yeah. And I'm not, when I'm not at all overblowing this when I say that is one of the worst defensive tapes that I've seen in years. I mean, that was – and it's not just that every level of defense is getting beat physically. It's that they're doing so many – like they don't rotate their safeties fast enough. They play off I, – the, the way they play coverage is, is bad. The way they fit in. The, the, the leverage stuff, everyone's talking about the two- and three-man lines of the Green Bay. It's like it's not a – that's not the problem. The problem is the alignment. They're aligning outside nasty formations. They can't get to the backside. It's like all of this stuff is so, when you. It's easy to look in, in retrospect, in hindsight, but that was one of the worst films I've ever seen. That's not one of the worst films I've seen in the last five years. It was awful defensively. You you posted those couple of clips of the defensive tackle just getting blown like 10, 15 yards off the ball. Like that is you don't see that very often where guys no. that like he was at he was lying he was basically by the safeties by the time that play was over. You gotta that buy was, a ticket to take a ride like that, man. That was yeah, terrible. Seriously. And, it, and it wasn't that I I had three. I could have had more. Yeah, that was that was something. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to jumping into that tape later this week and hopefully it's things that Green Bay can uh, to, can take advantage of. We're all the way off script already, which is fantastic because that's usually our best stuff anyway. But you did bring up the the two down linemen and the semantics thing that Matt LaFleur brought up. I don't know how much we need to get into this. It's probably been a little bit overblown already. I went on a tangent out about it yesterday, but just your overarching thoughts on Matt LaFleur's comments and what you took away from it. What I honestly took away from it is that you you're, you just see a guy who's really frustrated. And, I you know, in, 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 the, in one sense of it, to be fair – 
I completely understand why he is, you know, he's probably sitting at the thing going, I'm, I'm trying to beat the Chargers. And I got to tell these guys who get to watch our tape but have no – really don't have a good – that is how they don't have any idea, but they don't have a great idea of what they're looking at. And I have to talk about the difference between number 52 putting his hand in the ground and not. And now we're going to call – I mean, it's just – it's asinine because the really that, that whole thing is – it's an alignment issue. If you align your guys wide – like, in other words – you're not going to run a 6-2 Mau Mau deep goal line defense in that situation. Right. That's a whole different conversation. But if you're going to put, you know, Preston Smith is 275 pounds. Rashawn Gary, they are defensive ends. You can call we call them edges because they stand up and we wanted a new thing. But it's that's all they are. If they put their hand around, the there's no difference. It's it, the problem is if you align outside nasty formations, if you align outside the second tight end on a hip outlook, you cannot make the backside play. Blah blah blah. There's there's a lot of like leverage issues that play into that that system, and so teams are exploited. The Chargers got exploited got exploited on it. I just put a, a tape up uh, on, on our program this this past week. So every team has these issues, and it's unfortunate that we're in this situation where you, the head coach feels like he has to take somebody to task for asking. To be fair, is not a very good question, but. It's just part of the deal. It just seemed a little bit at this, you know, at this stage, you, you got, you got, I think Aaron Jones, not got thrown under the bus, but he's kind of like calling out Aaron for some mistakes that he made. There's some things going on right now where you go, oh, this is, this is a different uh, version. Uh, this isn't the 13 and three coach LaFleur. This is different. And we've always, you know, you always talk about how is a guy going to be at his, when, when things are going bad? How's the leadership going to, what's that going to look like? And, Maybe you're seeing a snippet of that. I don't know. It was. I'm so glad you brought that up because it is interesting to me. Matt, for the first four and a half years, basically, every single time anything went wrong, it was immediately, I got to be better. That's on me. Um, you know, I got to put my guys in better positions to succeed over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And that plays pretty well when you're 13 and three and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, he's taking accountability and responsibility, covering for his guys. That's great. And so on and so forth. These past couple of weeks, were really the first time where I've seen him, as you mentioned, not, I don't know if we want to say throw under the bus, but the Aaron Jones comments about him not getting out of bounds, he tiptoed a little bit about Jordan throwing the interception, but for the first time it was kind of like, yeah, it needed to go to the backside and we can't have a turnover in that situation. He Are you talking about on the, on the pump, uh, Omaha pump or the chair yep. route? Yep. Yeah, it's like, and the chair route's not good. It's like, so I don't want to cut you off, but no, go. Like, here's, here's how this is supposed to work. Okay, you go into film and you're like, you're like, hey, Christian, you can't run that shittier route and expect us to throw you the football. And here's why. And if you don't know that, because that's a high school route. Okay, so and here's why, Jordan, this would. And then you go out into the media and you go on me. Didn't we didn't we didn't coach that right. All because you don't say anything else like I just sorry it just it it that really doesn't sit well um because usually what starts happening is you look over at frank reich right now he, he, thomas brown becomes a coordinator after like one or two games he's like no i'm gonna take this back this is this is what's best it's like rats jumping off a sinking ship man it's it yeah. becomes a it becomes a bad look no that was, that was another one calling out watson for the route he called out the 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 basically in run defense he multiple times said our players need to do a better job tackling and we were in, we were not in the right gaps and everything like he, this is the first time I can ever remember where it was all out. Like 
No, it was it was on the players this time, which is just it's just an interesting juxtaposition to what he's done throughout the entire rest of his career. Um, and I think that is noteworthy one way or the other. And we'll see. Maybe it's maybe it's more accountability and maybe the players will react to it and it'll be great. Um, or it could swing in the other direction too. either way. And obviously I'm hoping that it turns out better, but um, it is just interesting to see the change in dynamic and we'll see now how they respond to it this week. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think for me, if, if, if a coach is, listen, we just want you to be the same guy, just be consistent. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about if I'm in the locker room right now. Yeah. If you're a guy that goes, Hey, we, we dropped a pass, cost us a game or, you know, you just call things how it is. Like, I don't think anybody we're, I hope that we're not society wise, but I hope we're past the point in locker rooms and build up trust. And, and you know, you work together, you bleed together, all those things. So you, you build this relationship where it's like, yeah, I screwed that up. Like, just go ahead and put it on me, man. I, you don't, we don't have to tiptoe around everybody. It was obvious that this person made a mistake. We'll just call it what it is and move on. But if you're yeah. constantly trying to be the good guy, like, Oh no, no, no. And now you're, you're turning that, that part of the game right now is, is not sitting right with players where it would have been fine if he would have been the same guy for the last three and a half years. No, that's really interesting. And I don't disagree in any way, shape or form. Um, all right. Any other key takeaways from Packers Steelers? Obviously the run defense wasn't good enough. Pass offense got going a little bit run offense. Not great, but did have the nice big explosive to AJ Dillon. Yeah. Uh, what, any, anything you that uh, caught your eye that you want to go over this week? Yeah, Steelers are a much more physical football team. They've, they've, they've got a culture that resonates uh, throughout their locker room and organization. Mike Tomlin's done a great job there for years, and for you know that's the reason he's a, one of the longest tenured, tenured head coaches. Um, I thought their defense came to play from, from a we're going to physically beat you on the line of scrimmage. I know we had a 40-yard run, but otherwise we're averaging about 3.1 yards per carry, right? It's not very good. And we're getting physically dominated in multiple, multiple occasions from a team, quite frankly, that – you know, is missing arguably their best player, make it second best player, make it Fitzpatrick. Um, and the passing game, look, the thing is right now, you have a quarterback who's going to his fourth year, he's a first year starter. You're trying to figure out he's a long term answer. And he makes, you know, you don't have 32 good quarterbacks in the National Football League. Right. So there's that consideration, but he can make some throws and everyone goes, oh, it was a great throw. There's college quarterbacks that can make good throws. The difference in this sport is two things. Can you make the easy throws, which is not a gimme right now? And can you process information at an elite level? Pre-snap and post-snap, can you process information? And you still have however many games there's left. I think you still have to prove that if you're Jordan Love. Those two things are what makes quarterback. I mean, I said this on another show yesterday. It's like, what is Brock Purdy doing better than Jordan Love? It's like, well, he processes information at a much higher level, right? And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's him, it's development. You don't like we don't know those answers. We can just tell what we see on tape. But from a pre-snap and post-snap processing, there's there's a lag between him and some of the elite guys. And then man, you gotta throw flat routes. Like they gotta be, you know, 19 out of 20, you know, 99 out of hundred. You gotta throw the gimmies, you gotta make them. So I'm not going to lie. When I'm in the middle of Packer season, I don't always eat the best. It's by far my busiest time of year. I don't have a ton of time to make healthy meals. And because of that, I end up eating a lot of unhealthy foods. And when I'm not eating healthy, my digestive system doesn't always feel the best. And I end up feeling less focused, more stressed. And it just feels like my immune system is fighting with an arm behind its back. That's why I tried AG1. I was tired of being tired and I was tired of being unfocused and I needed to kickstart my immune system and increase my energy. 
When I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel the difference in my digestive health and my daily energy. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop includes probiotics for gut support, B vitamins for energy, and zinc to help support my immune health. And that's why Packaday is proud to be sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY. High tech for low places, Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship, so get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I talked to Sam Monson from PFF yesterday, and it was a very, very similar conversation. A lot of the same things that you just mentioned. Dan Orlovsky also on the Pat McAfee show saying something similar of there's some great throws that you see from Jordan, but there's not enough good throws from Jordan. I think there's a level of that that is there as well. Um, I do think that the the layups need to be a little bit better from my standpoint. I see enough of the the flash here and there that I'm like, I'm okay with the the wild play here there. It's it, it does need to be the layups and the consistency. The little play to, to Jaden Reed where it's a bubble screen and the the, the ball is like three yards behind Jaden. He has to adjust to it and then turn around and get upfield. As you're mentioning, that needs to be like 99.9% of the time. You throw it a little bit ahead of him so he can accelerate forward and make it a little bit easier for him. And there were some other plays in this game where I thought – if like there's a couple plays where guys got to do barrel rolls because they have to go to the ground to catch the ball and then kind of roll for a first yeah. down or roll for extra yards. If you hit those guys in stride, they can get upfield and it becomes a better explosive play and it just allows everything to come a little bit easier. I'm in the same place with Jordan. I, I'm I want I, I'm still in the spot where I want to see more and I want I'm really interested to see the remainder of this season to see if we can see progress if some of this stuff starts to slow down for him a little bit or if this just is who he is. Um, is that kind of where you're at too with Jordan or how are you kind of feeling after 10 weeks or 10 games, nine, I, 10 weeks? Sorry. I don't really, I mean, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I guess the way I look at it, it, I have been around quarterbacks that you call that you call two tenure quarterbacks. And that means that they, the owner, the, the, the Mark Murphy, the, who, the general man, whoever's in charge decides that this is, there's not another guy that we're going to pick up that's better than him, but this isn't the staff to develop him. I've been around that, like, you know, Ryan Tannehill, before he went to the Titans, got that big contract and played well. He got a big contract in Miami, but he went through three staffs. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the thing, it, those are real deals, right? And, and we, you call those quarterbacks multi-tenure quarterbacks, and you're talking about the coaching staff. So I think right now you see that there's a little bit of, you know, passive-aggressive behavior at the media from the, the, the coach. Everybody's kind of trying to you know, figure this thing out. And you see the inconsistency from the quarterback and – Obviously, the fifth-year option is coming up, and you start going. I don't think that – I certainly don't think that that, that this Coach LaFleur in particular is in um, trouble as far as as far as the job goes. But I do find that all – you know, I could build a very easy narrative like, is he the right guy to develop or does he have the staff, I should say, to develop this particular player? And if not, like, I think those are the questions that need to be answered. Do you need to get – a different staff in there to develop the talent you have in the rooms because first year quarterback, fourth year guy going to his fifth year, going to pay him a, an absolute, you know, Noah's arc full of money. Then you got first year wide receivers in a room with no mentorship. You got second year tight ends in a room with no mentorship. You've got a, a, at this point now, a relatively young offensive line with Bakhtiari not in the game. You, you just got, you've got it right. You lost Rasul Douglas as far as a leader and the glue guy in, in the DB room. You're, you're looking around this team and they decided to develop talent without mentors. And I, I don't know how you do that in the National Football League. I think if you would have asked me, well, you, I think you did ask me at the beginning of the season, what's the, what's the biggest pain point here? It's that you don't have player leadership in this in this pl- in locker room and enough in enough rooms in the in the uh, in the building. So I think you're seeing that a lot right now. And then it becomes a question of if you're not going to have that who are the people developing talent? Yeah, it's it's so interesting because Matt has said in the past that he wants this to be a player-led team. I haven't heard that much this year. I heard it a lot in previous years. I, I've always been super com- complimentary of the Packers of always having, like if you go back the past few seasons, we don't need to name every single one, but every position group 
had a veteran leader in it, every single position group. I'm not talking like one was missing. It was every single one where there was a four or five, six year or beyond uh, your Mercedes Lewis's, your Bakhtiari's, your Rogers, your Joneses, your Clark's, et cetera. There's every single one of those in every single room. And then it, it was interesting to me where, and this is probably where there's a disconnect between coaching and GM where the GM is like, I just want to get as many young guys so they can grow together and we can see who fits and who doesn't. And I'm sure from a coaching standpoint, you're like, yeah, but I would love a Mercedes Lewis and some of those guys to be able to mentor some of these younger guys. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It is interesting that this is the year of all years that you really don't have any of those guys, at least not many um, left that can mentor some of those younger players. Yeah, you know what? It's So I'm not saying this is the case with Green Bay, but I, this is the case with some teams in the National Football League. The situation that you're in right now is that um, circular argument between personnel and coaching where personnel guys are going, hey, you know, if, if, if you had an owner to answer to, you'd be like, well, wait a second, we're looking for the future. That's why we got rid of Mercedes and, and Lazard and Cobb and, and Rasul Douglas. So, hey, my hands are clean. You know, I got another two years to show you that these guys work. And if you're the coach, you're going to, you're going to management and you're going, well, he just got rid of Rasul. He just, you know, Mercedes, we don't have any mental, like we don't have any of our leadership. So you got to give me two years and my hands are clean right now. We got to build this thing out. And so it's like, you're buying time by doing this. Right. So I always, like, I'm very cynical with some of this stuff because it like these, these moves, quite frankly, didn't, they haven't made sense since February and they don't make sense now. And it's, yeah. it's coming to fruition. So you, you do go, I'm always, I'm always curious as to what the real motivation behind some of these moves are. Cause that doesn't make sense to me. And I I'd be interested too, because I, I think there's a different, connotation so if, if if the overarching thought is like hey guys we know this is going to be a struggle for the next couple of years based on how we're building this team and mark and matt and brian and russ and everyone's in in it together and they're saying hey we're looking at 2025 we we need to be really really good in 2025 i, I think you can get by a little bit more maybe with some of this stuff and it gives maybe matt a little bit more of a release to be like, okay, I'm my my job's not on the line here. If they lose to the Chargers, the Lions, and the Chiefs, they've lo- they've won one game in nine weeks and w- one in eight in that stretch. And that one game was against the Brett Rippon led LA Rams, who is no longer a NFL fifty three man quarterback. Um, they released him after the the game, so that's a that's a tough look. And I'm sure if you're Matt, Matt has to be like, I got to find a way to pick up a win this week, like or at least he's coming up. And he's constantly looking at wins this week as like the determining factor. And it maybe doesn't allow you as much time to spend on development or spend on whatever it might be. To be. And maybe you even take a look at some different guys and you go with some of the younger players to get them the reps that they need. But instead, he probably has to be like, nah, screw that. I can't. I don't have time for that. I need a few wins before the season's done or my job might be on the line. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there. Number one, uh, I completely. I thought, okay, you're, you're now you're three and six. It's like maybe maybe it's start to mix up the defenses, the way you're the, the way you're going about business. Maybe it's time to start checking some things out. Yeah. Um. But to your point, this is what happens when in February, oh, all sounds good. And listen, I'm not going to sit here for a second and say like Matt Lafleur like thought he was buying himself some time by not having Mercedes Lewis on, on the team. Like I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is back then you know, you're sitting around going, okay, this sounds like a good idea. Now in reality, you're like, Jesus, I got to win some games, man. Like I can't, it's not as easy as you think to develop players. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan had a really interesting response yesterday to a question. I don't know if you saw it. 
I did not. So a guy said something to the fact that so-and-so's got a quarterback guy that he works with somewhere. You know, one of his quarterback coaches. I did hear, I did hear, I heard parts and of Sh- this. Yeah. And Shanahan's like, yeah, he's like a strength conditioning guy. Like he's not, you know, he's not with us. And, and he goes, yeah. And so the reporter goes, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he goes, well, he says he's a quarterback developer. Like, in other words, that's his job, right? And Shanahan goes, yeah, that's not what we do, okay? He can do all that in the offseason. What we're doing, this coaching staff during the during the week, is we're game planning and working on scheme to beat the opponent. We're not working on all that other stuff. And it was interesting because from the perspective of a player, what have I always, like you and I have always talked about, you want two things. You want to be put in a position to be successful and have the tools to find success, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what Shanahan is basically saying there is we do the first one, you better figure out the other one on your own because we don't have time. And which yeah. is something that I've always talked to you about is like, that's yeah. a real problem in the National Football League. And now, and one of the best teams and w- b- most well-coached teams in the league, they're, they're saying like, this isn't what the priority is. And so when you have a team that maybe is younger and doesn't have the caliber of staff and doesn't have the caliber of players right now, and they're going after that same, they're all same tree, same philosophy, you start going, well, well, why not? Like, why don't you have those guys in the building that can help do these, like, can be super granular and detailed and make these, make these, look what's happening right now. I know we're getting sideways, man, but like, no, look what's happening right now with the Detroit Lions. It's like, if you met Dan Campbell, I, I know Dan, I've worked with Dan, played against Dan, partied with Dan. If you met Dan Campbell, you're not going to sit, you're going to go, Dan's smarter than he's acting. Okay. But you're not going to be like, he's Mike McDaniel smart. You know what I mean? But what Dan did is he goes, I have something I believe in in all my heart and I'm really passionate about. And one of those things was, I believe that earlier, Deuce Staley, uh, Mark Brunel, Aaron Glenn, I believe that these people who have gone through the coaching development platform, they're not just walking off the street, except for Brunel, I guess, did a little bit. But these people have, something to offer because not only can we talk X's and O's, we can talk intimate deals of confrontation, intimate details, excuse me, of confrontation. And that's going to pay off. And you see the detail that his team, Hank Fraley is probably the best example. Hank Fraley might be the best O-line coach in business right now. Okay. And you see the detail and that they execute with, it's not like they're just going out there and just literally mauling people. Footwork, hand placement, the way they pick up stunts, everything is better than everybody else. And it's not a coincidence, right? So there's a there's a few groups that are trying to figure this thing out. But by and large, a lot of these teams are kind of where the Green Bay Packers are right now. It's like we're trying to win a game. We can't necessarily worry about some of the stuff that from maybe the outside looking in or more importantly from the locker room looking up going, dude, we need to get better. Like we need to – I need to learn how to get better so I can be – I can be better so we can be better. That's why I think the the draft and develop philosophy is getting harder and harder. And I think it's also why you have some of these teams who like they're all, we're going to rebuild or whatever. And you start the rebuild and you're the super young team. And then you don't have the coaches that are again, taking the long-term approach with it. And again, looking two years down the road and saying, we got to be really good by this time period and putting that baseline in. And instead, again, because we see coaches get fired after year one in the NFL now. So if, if, if you don't see some instant wins and some instant gratification, you could be gone. So coaches immediately have to start looking towards 
how can we get a win on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever you're playing? And and I don't think can take that same approach uh, of development, which sucks for the NFL. It's a part of the reason I don't think the product on the field is as quite as good as it once was. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just disappointing because I think if there was a little bit more of that approach and maybe a little bit more practice, whatever it might be, um, I think we'd have better football and I think we'd have better teams, better players and better brand every Sunday. I, I love Mike McDaniel said something a couple of weeks ago. Um, I find him fascinating, by the way. I just, you know, he's, I, I find him fascinating. He said something to the effect of he was, he, he, I think he just became a father. And he said, you know, how, how does this play in? And he said, well, it's the same as being a coach. You're a servant. It's a servant role, right? Like, like, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of people in the business forget that, yeah. right? I, ultimately a coach, if you're coaching players, I work with, I mean, you're, you're, you're serving and, and aiding those people to become their, their, their best. That's the goal. The goal is not to hang on to your job. The goal is not to see how much money you can make. The goal is to see how much you can help these other people become the best version of themselves. And I just, I, I really like the way he said that, but it, I think that's a really, a really great message that I don't know that everybody subscribes to. I, I know everyone doesn't subscribe to that, unfortunately, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a really fun coach and I'm, I, I continue to root for his success in Miami because he's really fun, a little quirky, but again, kind of the best ways I transitioning over. I wanted to talk really quick about Rashawn Gary. There's seemingly uh, some frustration in Packerland that Rashawn Gary big new contract is not getting the big time sack production, the big time explosive plays, the force fumbles, the fumble recoveries, whatever it might be that mm -hmm. it's great that he's playing quote unquote well, but there's not the, those big splash plays that you want to see from your premiers. I do not subscribe to that same necessarily take or feel, but I wanted to get your opinion on it as to a kind of how Rashawn's playing and B why we might not maybe be seeing some of that, ultra crazy, you know, production from Rashawn. Well, when you get a big contract, you get more eyeballs on you. I think that's the first thing. So you're going to get everybody's yep. best. You're probably going to game plan a little bit more than you used to, certainly more than you used to. So that's part of it. Um, there, I think there's two things. If, if I was sitting in the room with Rashawn, I, I, I'd, I'd say there's two things that are truth that we have to just, we have to acknowledge. The first one is you don't have another defensive pass rush threat on this football team. And Thank that's you. probably the most important one. Preston Agreed. Smith is a really good defensive end who has five sacks this year, but he is not a pass rush specialist at all. And you don't, and Kenny Clark, if you would have, if six years ago, you would decide that Kenny Clark was going to be an all pro three technique penetrating player. I think he could have been, but he's yeah. not. And he doesn't have pass rush moves. I mean, the kind that scare me. Okay. Right. He's a slow burn guy. Yeah. So you, you just don't have anybody that, that, so there's only one, really point of emphasis for the defense as far as like who my or offense as far as who I'm going to focus on. <clears throat> the other thing is Rash Rashawn Gary works incredibly hard and his hard work has paid off and he's done really, really great things in the National Football League. If he wants to take the next step and be an absolutely dominant player, given his body profile, given how he likes to rush, given what he's good at, his leverage points, he needs to stop trying to take the high line all the time and get the strip sack fumble. He needs to, he needs to get to the, get, to a place where the, the offensive lineman has in a poor footwork position, poor body alignment, <clears throat> and he needs to be able to flip his hips, bull rush, inside move, uh, Reggie White club, but you need to be able to attack where the quarterback's at, not where you hope he might be if he continues to back up. He wastes, over the past three years, he's wasted dozens and dozens of sack opportunities simply because he allows the right tackle to ride him over the top instead of going to the quarterback, 
pressing the pocket, pressure equals picks, make that quarterback feel that right tackle, or wipe that keep the allow the right tackle to keep going upfield. You just go underneath. He doesn't do that yet because he always wants to play really close to the body. And once he if he once he ever figures that out, I think you're going to see his sack numbers go way up. There does seem to be, especially at the beginning of years, where Rashawn wants to be a speed rusher. And then at times he'll remember he's a power rusher. And when he starts going through people, you know, you're like, oh, this is incredible. Yep. And you can see him start doing a little bit more. I'm still hoping like the second half of the season is more of Rashawn trying to go through people rather than around people. Because to your point, he'll just get kind of worked right around the, uh, the bend and the quarterback just steps up. I, th- I thought you posted a great clip of the TJ Watt sack uh, and everyone's like, Oh, he beat Zach Tom, but it was actually Josh Myers that got beat yeah, on the inside. What's that? I said, he didn't beat Zach Tom. No, no, no. So instead, <laughs> of course it's the, the center gets beat. Uh, Myers gets beat. And then of course the quarterback, you know, doesn't have anywhere to go and so on and so forth. I think that's such a huge part too, is there's times where I've seen Rashawn win. And to your point from earlier, he doesn't have the pressure from the other side to kind of like be in tandem number two, because there's not pressure from the other side. Um, you know, again, Rashawn's taking the double team that there's a, at least one play this week where I'm pretty sure he was triple teamed at one point. So he's getting a ton of attention, but then also when he does get around, because there isn't necessarily the push from the inside, the quarterback just has the ability to step up paired with the fact that you have a defense that's allowing a lot of checkdowns and just kind of easy like releases. And then if the quarterback does see Rashawn coming, and even if he's there, a lot of times there's a release to get the ball away. I still see Rashawn winning at a solid clip. It's just, I, I, I don't know what more, other than the things that you just talked about and being a better, you know, pass rusher and, and kind of figuring out the bull rush thing. Um, I think there's still opportunities there, but just the stuff around him is not exactly going to plan either. Yeah. And you just talk about, Rush, rush lane discipline, and this team's failed rush lane discipline multiple times this year. Maybe not anything bigger than the Kenny Pickett. I was going to say, didn't come and haunt them at the end of the game at last. <laughs> yeah, they run it. They run a TT, and and for whatever reason, why it doubles back goes back into the A gap, and I mean that happens a lot, and that happens a lot in the National Football League. Lane discipline's a, a real thing, and it's difficult. Um, and we don't know what the rush plan is for a lot of these guys, or if they have a rush plan at all. But you, you just think sometimes. It, this sport is this sport is a very difficult sport to play, but it's relatively simple to figure out. And yeah. and I think sometimes we spend listen like when when I'm when I'm coaching offensive linemen against guys that want to get real close, like the answer is really simple. Like play with your arms extended, and, and and that sounds stupid because it's so easy, but it literally is that easy. And and when you and conversely, if you're Rashawn and you always are getting the guy to turn and try to run you upfield, and that like that left armpit is always available, why are you not taking advantage and throwing him out of the bar? You know what I mean? Like the, the leverage and body mechanics and everything, just do it. Like do what the most intuitive thing what you what a five year old would do, and you're probably right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, hopefully they can figure some of that stuff out moving forward. All right, before I let you go, we'll we'll end where we started, Packers, Chargers. Uh, any final takeaways or th- things that you're going to be watching this week that uh, could uh, end up in it swinging the game one way or the other? Yeah, I th- there's a lot. I mean, listen, the, the Chargers defense we talked about is, is, one, is, is bad, but they have players and players can wreck games. Khalil Mack can wreck a game. He did it earlier this year. He had like six sacks in one game. Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa is one of the Joey Bosa is one of the best players that I have seen that just doesn't ever have the production that I think he could. But he's he is incredibly difficult to block when he's on. Um, this is one of the few games, having said all that, that I think the Packers can run and pass better against their base personnel than anything else. Like I think it's if if you you could line up with 12, you could put both those rookie tight ends in. 
throw both like they've been running those slip blocks where you lead with one and, and have and, yep. and have the other one coming across the ball. You saw it effective last week against both. So that's how the Detroit Lions kind of took him out of the game. And you can get those double teams and move those guys all over the field. I think this is the first time in a while the Packers should re- feel really good. Like, hey, we should win the line of scrimmage this week on the on the offensive line side of the football. And then, you know, watching Herbert and Allen and, and Eckler play, they're all three of them are kind of cheat codes for different reasons. And this could be one of those games where maybe they come up and have a terrible game. And maybe there's yeah. you know, the game plan fits out. The thing about the thing about the Chargers is it feels like they don't really decide to get like Kellen Moore's done a great job and they scheme guys up. When you were talking earlier about Jordan Love's throws, it's like how many throws, if you watch the Chargers game, they're throwing to like 40 yards of space. Do you remember the Jalen Reed long ball at the end of the game where he didn't really throw it to Jalen? He kind of threw it into space. Yep. Right. They throw like five of those a game. I mean, it's like they're they're creating those opportunities. And I mean, they're yep. probably more, but they just don't see them. We don't get a lot of those. And and so when you're looking at guys who have prop, one of the most incredible arms I've ever seen, you know, arm talent-wise from, from Herbert and then these other two guys, it, I think it's going to be a real tall task to keep these guys under, I don't know, 25 points. You know, this is going to be one of those kind of games. So the Packers are going to have to break 20 for the first time in a long time in order to win. This is a different level of talent that they've seen at quarterback all year long. They face Goff. They face Cousins. Mm-hmm. That's probably about it from a you know top tier or like whatever tier talent we want to discuss. Herbert's going to be a totally different animal. Then they get Goff the following week, followed by Mahomes. So I think we're going to learn uh, a little bit different of exactly where this defense is, is over the next few weeks. Probably not in a great way, uh, but I am interested to see what kind of game plan they come up with and just to see if they can take anything away. Sometimes those West Coast teams come to a central or you know uh, area and they don't play well in a noon game. So maybe Green Bay gets a little bit lucky. I do think Green Bay is going to be able to move the ball against the Chargers defense, as you mentioned, but I don't know. This will be an interesting one. Neither team is exactly playing a great brand of football. One should be, I think, much better than the other, but hasn't exactly been that way. I don't know. I'm intrigued, if nothing else. Big, big game for Aaron Jones. Make this game about Aaron Jones on offense. 30 touches, 30, I mean, a a certain amount of touches. Screen game, one-on-one with the linebackers in base, in in base cover, in, in base defense as many runs as you can feed him as long as he can be in the game, keep him in the game. He's just such a difference maker. And especially against this team, he can exploit a lot of things that they do. The other thing is we're getting some bigger plays on offense last week, but in this game, in order to keep up with the chargers, the Packers have to have a big play offense mentality. And so all those intermediate routes got to hit. You got to hit, you got to give the, it can't be just sideline go routes, hoping that they, we we catch a couple, get creative, put things in the middle of the field, Catch and runs, opportunity. Like they make, they miss tackles. They do every, like this team does everything you want from an offensive standpoint as far as their defense. They'll miss tackles, they'll blow coverage, they'll they'll, they'll get blown off the line of scrimmage. They won't they won't hit gaps. Like they'll do everything you want. You just got to go take it and be aggressive. Be the aggressors this week. And I think unlike the past two weeks, they have to turn that into point production because they got some explosives and some good drives and some yardage over the past two weeks, but left a ton of points on the field due to fumbles, interceptions in the red zone, missed extra points, missed field goal, uh, everything over the past couple of weeks. So they got to they got to capitalize on it as well. Mike, phenomenal stuff as always. Where can we find your incredible work uh, over on Process to Perform, the YouTube channel, anything else you want to plug? Yeah, just check out the On My Block podcast. I got a preview out right now for this this upcoming game. Uh, you can check that on the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. MikeWall68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram. Hit me up whenever you guys are uh, interested in talking Packers or NFL in general. 
Yeah, go subscribe to his YouTube channel, follow him on social media. You will not regret it. It's phenomenal stuff every single time. Mike, as I mentioned at the onset, I appreciate you a ton. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Talk about this Packers-Chargers game. Talk about Packers-Lions. Look ahead to Packers-Chiefs by that time. Who knows where this team is at in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Have a good Thanksgiving. Appreciate it, man. That's going to do it for Mike and I. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.